This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hi, my name is Emily Joan Elliott, and I'm the Managing Editor for East Lansing Info. Welcome to this episode of the East Lansing Insider, brought to you by MSU Impact. Today, I have with me Anais Rios Kasoga, Layla Lloyd, and Liu Muse. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. Great. So, I was hoping we could go around and you each tell me a little bit about yourself, um, maybe what you would want listeners to know, and why you joined Black Student Union at East Lansing High School. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm uh, Anais Rios. Um, I'm 18. Uh, I was involved in like a couple things at the high school. I like I was student body president and I was an editor of the paper, but um, I definitely cared about BSU the most. And I found myself joining it because I needed a community when I got to the high school. And Sophia Simon, who ran it when we were freshmen uh, with Aaliyah, was such, they were such amazing co-presidents that I don't know about Liu, but it made me really want to make it a home for other people when they graduated that year. Great. Layla, do you want to jump in? I'm sure. Um, I'm Layla Lloyd. I'm 18. I graduated this year. Um, I was involved in BSU throughout all four years of high school, but specifically my senior year. I was um, treasurer this year. And I really just wanted to join BSU because I found it to be a safe space for me um, and people that looked like me. And There wasn't always a safe space on campus, but I knew if I came to BSU, there would always be one. Um, So, yeah. Thank you for that. And Liu? Yeah. Hi, I'm Liu. Um, Me and, well, all of us have been involved in BSU since our freshman year, but me and Ani East both became super interested in board positions our sophomore year, actually. So we were one of the youngest, like, classes to have um, positions in BSU. So that was super cool. Um, I got super into, like, social activism after Trayvon Martin's case. So that happened around the time I was in middle school. And I was immediately looking forward to attending BSU already and just getting an opportunity to help other people be as passionate as I am was a great opportunity. Thank you all for sharing that. So do you want to share with our listeners what BSU would do in East Lansing High School, some of the activities you might have done or outreach work? I know you guys have voiced that it was a safe place um, and a home for Black students, but what might you have done at a weekly meeting or an event you planned? I'd love for Lee to like jump in and add on to whatever I miss. I'm sure I'll miss stuff. Sure. Um, but for the most part, like a day to, or a week to week meeting would look like us welcoming our kids. Uh, we held meetings in the hub, which was like a uh, gathering space at our high school. And uh, we would open the doors um, and we would like play music really loud. It was like a welcoming space for black culture and black students. And uh, we'd welcome them in. And then we'd, you know, we'd sort of turn down the music and, um, ask them how their week had been, if they had anything to share. It was a safe space for them to vocalize any anger they felt or any time that they had felt alone that week or something they needed support with, whether it be personal or involving school or involving a teacher or involving whatever. It was their space to talk about that. And then we would introduce whatever subject matter we were discussing that week. Um, Lee, you and I would sit down 
uh, as presidents and sort of decide what we thought would benefit the kids most that week, whether it was self-love or um, discussing maybe police brutality or discussing um, Black people's perception in the media or something like that. And then we would go through that subject with them um, with discussion-based questions and just really open the floor for them to have a discussion between each other about whatever that subject was. Mm-hmm. Liu, did Anais miss anything? She did really great, but um, just to add a couple <laughs> things, um, we definitely also like were super open to hearing what the kids wanted to talk about. So, like at least like once a month, we would ask the kids like give us any suggestions because obviously we want to talk to them about stuff they want to hear. We don't want to yeah to like ask them for a whole hour. So we also definitely made sure to do check ins and things like that, and we also tried to create like a lot of resources. So like sending out links to the kids about like just learning about more things like whether it's about the election like sending out resources about that or about protests so we as much as we gave help like within our time at BSU we also made sure to have time outside of that to still be available to the kids if they ever like needed any kind of help great I know it had been mentioned so far in the conversation that Black students didn't always feel that there were safe places at East Lansing High School. And I was wondering if you could talk, each of you, if you're willing about what it's like to be a Black student and a Black female student at ELHS. Um, I think we all have super unique perspectives on it. So I'm really excited to hear what um, my girls have to say about it. Um, <laughs> but I think that I, so I'm a, a school of choice kid. I, um, I live in Lansing and I went to Lansing schools for elementary school and I got school of choice when I was a sixth grader and started attending East Lansing. And I think that it was a really intersectional struggle. Um, I struggled because I did not have as much money as the other students. And I struggled because I didn't look like what I felt was uh, the ideal student. Um, And then later on found that like I was also queer and then that was like a struggle for being the ideal student. So I think that being a black student at East Lansing um, particularly was a struggle if you were a vocal black student um, or not an athlete. Uh, Often I think like a lot of athletes came to BSU and like we talked to a lot of athletes and you know not all of them felt out of place at East Lansing. You know a lot of them did feel like it was a good place for them. And I do think that like some black students feel like that. But for me personally, I was a pretty vocal young black girl. And because East Lansing sort of pushes this, pushes this narrative of like, we are post-racial or we don't need to necessarily like have super serious conversations about racism because super serious racism doesn't occur here makes that vocal um, protest seem like you're crying wolf. So I feel like my four years at ELHS, while there were a lot of really, really, really amazing individuals who did make me feel heard, most often I just felt like I was screaming at a brick wall about whatever issue was happening at the time. Thank you for sharing that, Anais. Layla, do you want to chime in? I'm sure. Um, so like on East, I was also a school of choice kid, but I moved out, um, to East Lansing right after first grade. So my sister also moved out there after to go to high school. So, um, 
going I went to Red Cedar um when I first went out there and I didn't I don't think I really noticed that I was different or had any like experiences pertaining to my blackness until like high school I feel like I didn't really well I'll say middle school (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really really, Red Cedar was a really um it was way more diverse than I feel like the middle school was and um East Lansing was and I think it was way more than they um said it to be um yeah I didn't really feel any different until about middle school and stuff when I started seeing things happening and you know getting older and listening to the news and um seeing how different teachers acted and towards certain students and things like that. Um, so yeah, I didn't, um, my experience is a little different from my nieces. Um, she was a lot more vocal, I'll say, than I was, um, in high school and in middle school, but, um, I definitely noticed a lot of things, uh, whether I said it or not. Um, so yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Layla and Liu. Okay, so I also went to Red Cedar with Layla, and that was one of the best experiences I've had with the school, <laughs> just because uh, Red Cedar had so many um, kids from so many different parts of the world. Not only was it like racially diverse, but it was just like a very, it felt very international. Like there were many kids from different countries, like it was great. Um, but then it turned into middle school and that's where you really got to see like obviously like as you grow kids also realize that oh like we have different skin colors and like they start putting like implications behind things like that as you grow so I definitely started feeling different than a lot of kids in middle school and I think it was so helpful that Anais and Layla were we were all friends throughout this so we really got to like talk about it and talk through it but I wouldn't say we truly became vocal until like the tail end of middle school and all of high school for sure um because we had really come into an understanding of what it means to be a black woman in East Lansing and a lot of that is like if you do not play a sport then you are not really seen as valuable as your white counterparts, no matter what your GPA is or things like that. Like playing a sport is really how you get a standing in East Lansing as a black student. Mm -hmm. I would Um, love to add something to that. Sure. Jump in. Like she's so, so, so right. Like, especially when like Liu talks about us becoming vocal towards the tail end of middle school and throughout high school, it was because when I moved there, I just like so desperately wanted to assimilate into East Lansing whiteness. Like I just wanted to have friends and I just wanted to be accepted. And it felt like to do that, you know, um, people like made fun of it in my graduation speech or whatever, but it did feel like, okay, you buy Lululemon and you play a sport (laughs) and you ski on the weekends and you go on family vacations and that's it. Like that's the experience. And then you're accepted. And like, that's, um you know something positive in your life and and I was chasing that like so desperately in it and it ruined friendships and it ruined you know um familial relationships and stuff like that because I was trying to be something that I wasn't and I think that that truly was one of the biggest struggles of going to East Lansing like constantly combating this um this pressure to be like uh a best American girl or a 
ideal East Lansing student, which is someone who is white and thin and straight and wealthy, which I was none of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to add that in, Liu. I so appreciate you putting that timetable on it because I definitely didn't want to mm. make it seem like, oh, yeah, I just walked into East Lansing and I was just like, <laughs> this thing, this thing, this thing, all needs to change. Right. I definitely wasn't. I definitely wasn't. It took time. And I think the school really forced me to figure out things that I, I didn't want to figure out much sooner than I was ready to do it. Thank you for sharing that, Anais. Um, I know you guys have spoken about being vocal and when you became vocal, but, and the idea that you had to chase belonging seems one thing that prompted you um, to be vocal, but are there specific things that happened either in the district or nationally that prompted you guys to also speak up about your experiences or advocate for change in the high school or the district? Um, I could talk about it a little bit. And Great. Start. Um, I'd say really like in middle school, you could kind of mostly, well, from my perspective anyway, I would really mostly see like differences with like how certain students were like reprimanded by like the principal or any person of authority in the high school, like teachers, like a white kid would get a slap on the wrist and the black kid gets suspended for three days or for a week or whatever when little altercations would happen or issues like that would come up or just with how teachers would speak to students of color differently than they would talk to white kids. It would, I would see that mostly um, happening in middle school. And I stay with like things happening in the news, like police brutality, all of that kind of stuff happening. Um, I think that really pushed a lot of us to be like, okay, so wait, these are the differences. This is how um, white teachers are treating black students or students of color. And it really, really came to the forefront I feel like then thank you for sharing that Layla Leo or Anais do you want to chime in um yeah I I mean Layla's 100% right I know that in middle school I think one of the biggest things fueling um the black kids who wanted to be vocal to be vocal was things that were happening in in the news you know we were eighth graders when the 2016 election happened and I know that that was a very 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 um, influential time in my life. I feel like it was also an influential time in their lives. It changed a lot of friendships. It changed a lot of dynamics. Um, a lot of relationships in the middle school shifted. Like, and we were 14 and that was right. happening. Um, this greater conversation started evolving, you know, like, well, politics shouldn't change friendships. Um, and then obviously like, I mean, we were only 14, but we were already saying, well, your politics say that I shouldn't exist. So they do influence our friendship and we can't be friends anymore. Um, and then that definitely carried and set the tone. I think that the 2016 election really set the tone for our four years mm -hmm. as activists at the high school. Um, in terms of specific events making us be vocal, I mean, Liu, do you want to touch on it? We can go at it uh, together. Uh, the dream girl situation? <laughs> I mean, girl, it's the elephant <laughs> in the room. Absolutely. Um, so I'm sure you may or may not be familiar with a pretty well-known musical known as Dreamgirls. Mm -hmm. um, and that was around, I believe, our sophomore year. So that was We were new presidents. Yes, we are like newly part of board and it was a pretty um, transformational time for us. So I'll let Ana East talk about it for a little bit. We were brand new to board. Like, 
um, you know, BSU changed a lot under us. Uh, Sophia and Aaliyah had established like a really, really, really amazing foundation. They had already brought back BSU from the brink of um, not existing. You know, if it doesn't have someone to care about it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that is just instituted by the school and like they take care of it if there isn't anybody to run it. That's not the case. So um, we became presidents because there was no one else to look after it. I was president my sophomore year. I think we was secretary um, and we were all on board. Um, and we all handled the situation with the same amount of like power and being vocal. So what had happened was the musical was announced as it usually is in December, um, I believe, as Dreamgirls, the spring musical. And so at the time, I remember I was sitting in physics and I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a headache. I already know it's going to be a headache. And, and so many people said to me, you know, I mean, you really shouldn't worry about it. Like East Lansing is conscious. East Lansing knows. Like East Lansing knows it's a black narrative. East Lansing is going to do it right. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm overreacting. Like if, if I am not going to, you know, um, I'm not going to not support this. So let's embrace it. You know, let's push our kids to mm-hmm. audition. Let's mm-hmm. let's publicize it. Let's really get behind it and say BSU supports this musical and we want our black students to audition. So, you know, we had some conversations with the um, people who were uh, running it, you know, the theater department, and we kind of told them our concerns. Um, they were very, um, you know, t- tamping them down. Like, you know, don't worry about it. It's not going to be like that. So we really got behind it and we really you know, we got um, the the sides for it and we brought them, we spent a whole club meeting um, talking about what Dreamgirls was and encouraging our kids to audition for it and running through the sides with them and telling them what a theater audition was like. These are kids who did not do theater. These are kids mm-hmm. who would not have auditioned otherwise. And we forced them into those audition rooms. Like we really, really <laughs> encouraged them to go audition. And then the cast list came out and they had not casted two out of the three lead roles is black. And this is a, an, an intrinsically black narrative. I mean, it is not, it can't be a non-black narrative. It's intersectionally about black women in Motown trying to make music, not women, black women. And so it just really escalated into this really big, unfortunate fiasco that it didn't need to be if they would have just listened to us and our concerns in the first place. Um, and so that was a really, really, really um, life-changing thing for us. I think mm-hmm. that it it set BSU into this sort of like troublemaking category. Like this is a troublemaker club or this is a club that is going to like cause problems. Um, we were definitely painted as people who were um, – upset and angry and aggressive and like vilified when all we were doing was standing up for ourselves and all we were saying was we will not play supporting characters to non-black people in a black narrative and so the play ended up being canceled it was postponed indefinitely it was very sad our kids were very sad they wanted to be a part of it and they wanted to put it on and it deserved a stage and the story deserved to be told but they would not recast the roles so um they ended up um canceling the play and I think that that was just a really 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 influential moment in showing how East Lansing really cares Mm -hmm. for its black kids and black voices and how much they matter in relation to hurting the feelings of non-black people right 
Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. If I could also just Mm -hmm. add on a little bit. Um, We can laugh about it now, but... um, Yeah. But it's really ironic because half of Dreamgirls is talking about the theft of Black music from non-Black people, from non-people of color. And to watch that literally take place in front of our own eyes was insane. And it was really just a heartbreaking moment for all of us. And I think it didn't help that we were an all-female Black board because immediately there are stereotypes put onto us and the theater department now they've switched teachers and things like that so they've gotten so amazing like (laughs) huge shout out to the East Sensing Theater Department now because he made like he came out of his way to come talk to us about any future things so I really want to give them their credit now but at the time it was truly just a heartbreaking thing for us shout out Mr. Smith (laughs) yeah (laughs) um in that vein, it sounds like you've referenced both mishandling of incidents and also where you think the district and particularly the high school could improve in being a more inclusive environment. I'd say um, this is Layla. So I looked at the questions before and I actually I really thought about this one because, you know, I don't I don't want it to seem like we're just upset. You know, we are upset. But right. we do have solutions. <laughs> um I Personally, I really, really feel that East Lansing needs to listen to its students. Like, I think that they need to listen to the voices that are telling them, hey, we talk about this every week and we have ideas and we have motivations and we are willing to put our energy into this effort if you let us. And I think a great example of that is the professional development that SGE spearheaded our sophomore year, I believe. Is that sophomore year? Yes, our sophomore year. Yeah, our sophomore year um, included all of the social activism clubs on campus, and we all put together individually lesson plans for this professional development for our teachers. And they didn't do it the following year, but I have heard that they're doing it this next year. And I think that things like that, genuinely listening to students, not listening to students for show or for display or to seem like a good person or a good institution, but to genuinely listen is the best thing that East Lansing can do for its students. I genuinely believe that because I think a lot of what it does for its students is for show. I think a lot of it is to save face. And if they were to genuinely listen to the voices that don't have as much money to the Brown voices on campus, then they would get somewhere and things would change. Thank you, Anais. Layla and Liu, do you want to chime in? I 100% agree with Anais. I think Um, A lot of the times they don't provide a space for Black students to even feel comfortable to share um, not only their experiences, but things that they felt um, while attending East Lansing. And I just think they need to, one, provide them a space, and then once provided the space, listen to them when they're talking about these issues, when they're expressing things that have hurt them and things that they can do better. I think we do have... um, some or they do have some things that they've put into place where students can talk to teachers and um, people like that. Um, but I don't really feel like all of the time, even if we have those things, students are listened to. I feel like some most of the times it goes in one ear and out the other, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna do all these things and we're gonna give you a space to talk, but it's just for show. Nothing really happens for real. I feel like, but yeah. 
what do you guys think would be a constructive space that the district could create for black students and other marginalized student groups to voice their concerns? There are lots of clubs, like there was a club created this year, I believe, and they all, they're supposed to do is like reform, like a lot of the um, school, like a lot of the curriculum and things like that. It's like a student and teacher club kind of thing. Um, I don't think a lot ended up getting done this year just because, you know, COVID was still an issue, but I Mm -hmm. think they could have some kind of like not a community necessarily but like some kind of like board of like students of color that would like be able to represent a lot of their students or like someone in student congress things like that that know the voices of their peers and able to represent like what the issues that their students are having like the pupils like having that kind of communication would be like fantastic yes totally agree East Lansing needs to invest in clubs. Like clubs really struggle. Like they don't get stipends and advisors don't get paid. And we raise all our money ourselves and we just do it because we care. We care about black students. I mean, us specifically, we care about the black students at East Lansing and we care about black issues. So we do it. We put all of our time into it. But if East Lansing were to really invest in student clubs, I think the results would just be amazing. Yeah, if we just got half of the funding that, that some sports, of the sports teams get, yeah, we would we would really be able to do a lot. Even the fact like just, that sports teams get like yeah, the recognition, yeah. something. Yeah, just the so much could be done. It's just it's so it's so frustrating. I just think like it's it's hard. It was hard for us, um, you know, when we first started out to even get spaces. We would get kicked mm-hmm. out of our space. We would right. we would be having a club, and they would come in and say, "You have to move." And we would say, what do you mean we reserved it? And they would say, well, we're kicking you out. And it was, it was, you know, that changed as we became more established, but that's how it was in the beginning. And we still struggled, you know, throughout our years to get spaces and to get time and to get, um, you know, publicity and recognition. And it shouldn't be that way because club leaders and club um, advisors, they work really hard. Right. So thank you all for sharing that. And we have about two and a half minutes left. So I thought I'd close with, do you think there's anything the district or the high school has done right in trying to improve and be more inclusive? Oh, absolutely. I definitely have seen a good amount of changes this year, like specifically within the English department. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that they were, I think they were reading How to Kill a Mockingbird for their a freshman year class and Mr. Harrell, one of the best English teachers in East Lansing, um, <laughs> was really proactive in talking about like the end slur in the book and like recognizing its significance to the kids beforehand. So like they did a lot of steps in that. I would say the English department did super great. Yes, I there are some lovely individuals at East Lansing High School. Like there are some really great teachers there. And I don't I definitely don't want that to be like overshadowed by you know some of the critiques that we have after four years of being there but there are some lovely people because we could not have built up such an amazing club without help and I think that Liu is so right it's the department heads or like department that I think have gotten some of the best stuff done like we had a meeting with the history department I think our junior year and I know that they made some changes out of that meeting with BSU 
Um, and then same for the English department, like everything Lee was saying. I know that there were some some people in BSU this year who had a lot of issues with what was happening in their class and really, really, really made an attempt to help them and to open a conversation and open a dialogue between them and their teacher. And it was just it was just amazing. Thank you, Anais. Layla, do you want the last word? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree with both what Leela and Anais said. Um, we do have some really, really great people at East Lansing. So please don't think that it's just all bad. Um, yeah, I I definitely appreciate a lot of the people at East Lansing that were helpful and that were listening to us and that backed us when we needed it most, um, for sure. Um, I'd say I have seen a lot of changes. Um, there's still more to be done, but um, even with like some of the clubs they're starting this year or um, people that they have like heading the clubs and stuff or um, teachers that are like advisors and all of that good stuff. Um, I think, I think they're on the right track for sure. Well, I want to thank all three of you again for joining us today. I sincerely appreciate it. And for our listeners, um, if you are interested, more information on East Lansing Public Schools is available at eastlansinginfo.news and the school tab is at the top. Thank you. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.